Welcome to yet another edition of the Vince in the Bay podcast. I'm Vince, and this episode, my guests are a father-son duo from Austin, Texas. I'm speaking of Mono Deshark Paul, and Deshark is, of course, spelled in Leet Speak as D-A-S-H-4-R-K, and Mono's son, Ruben Paul, who goes by the handle Rapstar, that's R-A-P-S-T-4-R, also Leet Haxer Speak, so you know you don't want to mess with either of these guys. Mono is a security researcher and author. He's also co-founder of Hackformers, which is a nonprofit Christian hacker collective based in Austin. His son, Ruben, attends the Harmony School of Science in Austin. Ruben is also the CEO of Prudent Games and co-founder with his dad of the nonprofit Cyber Shaolin. Fun fact on Ruben, he was once voted America's most beautiful baby. And he's also the youngest person to achieve a black belt in Shaolin Do Kung Fu, an achievement he pulled off at the age of seven years old. Now Ruben is all grown up. He's nine years old. And as I mentioned, he and Mono have co-founded the nonprofit Cyber Shaolin, which aims to promote and improve the awareness and education of cybersecurity and technology to kids and adults. I recently had the distinct pleasure and honor to speak with Mono and Ruben about information security, their nonprofit work, and more. I'm happy to welcome Mono and Ruben to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Vince. Thank you, Vince. Okay, let's start with your nicknames. Um, Mono the Shark. Where'd that come from? The Shark. So it's interesting because my background um, is in aquaculture and fisheries science. So my bachelor's degree is actually in zoology. I have a bachelor's degree from India. I'm sorry, you said you, you have a bachelor's degree in zoology? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> so I have a bachelor's degree in zoology, which took me to a research project that I worked on where we studied the, the lemon sharks in the Bimini Islands in the Bahamas. And my, my current wife, my, I mean, my, my only wife, I guess, and then girlfriend, she and I, we went to the Bahamas to work on a shark research project. And then uh, we left that and came to the U.S. for pursuing higher education and then got into the workforce. I ended up working in security for Dell computers, uh, at which time uh, I kind of realized that there are sharks at sea and there are sharks on land, which are like hackers. So it just kind of was natural, I think. And then later I found out that in Hawaiian, my name Mano actually means shark. Ruben, you go by Rap Star. What's yeah. that all about? Are you a rapper? Uh, no. So it actually came from my preschool teacher. She um she gave me the next name because my initials is R A P so that is basically how I got my nickname and um whenever I go uh to church and I usually sing some songs and they're usually rap songs so huh. that is why I go by the rap name rap star. In doing research on on you and your background, it seems like you might as well add rapping to your repertoire because you, it <laughs> seems like you're doing so many things. It's like you're nine yeah. years old, and I think you've done like five million times more things in your nine years than I have in my <laughs> n- 
I'm not even going to say how old I am, but uh, very impressive uh, resume, if you if you will. Thank you. Ruben, how did you get involved and interested in security research yourself? Obviously, it must have been influenced by your father, correct? Yes. So when I was little, my dad used to be a security consultant, and he used to train people on information security. So whenever he was training people, I used to listen in from the back and um, learn a little bit about cybersecurity. So one day when he was on a business call, he forgot the word firewall. <laughs> and So I prompted him from the back, and I was about six years old at that time. After the talk, he realized that I had a potential for learning uh so he started to train me on from there on. That's awesome. And then also you, you're into Kung Fu, obviously, or Black Belt. Um, yeah. Did you, what, when did you start that? Was that before information security? Yes. I started that when I was about three and a half to four years old. So the, if I can add to that, uh, the, the current uh, Kung Fu school uh, that we go to is the Shaolin Do Kung Fu. The Shifu at that time was usually they start about four and a half years. But I have the background in Kung Fu. And uh, when I came in, I always was fascinated by Kung Fu. So I put Ruben in. Uh, when he was about three and a half, I took him in for like a, you know, a prep class or a, like a pre-class. And the Shifu said the only requirement is that uh, the kid needs to be able to hold attention for about 30 minutes uh, and not be disruptive in the class. And uh, that was his first, like, you know, induction into Kung Fu. And Ruben did well in that first class. And then the Shifu said, maybe we can try to see if he can come for a few more classes. And then, so he started earlier than what the general, um, you know, kid uh, gets to, to start Kung Fu. And uh, so he had that to his advantage. And so when he was about seven is when he was able to test uh, before the Grandmaster, Grandmaster Sen Kwan Pei, who brought Kung Fu to America um, in the 1960s. So he tested in front of the Grandmaster and was awarded the black belt, uh, becoming the very, the, the very first or the youngest uh, Shaolin Do Kung Fu black belt in America. Have you traveled to the Shaolin Temple? No, not yet. We, are plan- we really want to, and we are planning to next year, right? Right, it's actually no. But before the third degree black belt, uh, usually there is a trip that is made, uh, so to go and train over there in the Shaolin uh, temples as well and to visit the temple. We haven't, but we are planning to. So we have three years between the second degree black belt and third degree black belt test. That's about three years of training that needs to take place. And so as part of that training, we're planning to make that trip through our school. Watch out for that great firewall of China, too, while you're out there. <laughs> I love how, how you, the both of you seem to um, cross-pollinate different things, like um, with this nonprofit that you two founded called Cyber Shaolin. It's, it seems that you're kind of melding the ideas of your martial arts background with uh, your information security experience and turning it into something educational. First of all, whose idea was Cyber Shaolin to begin with? Uh, both of us, we came out, up with it. Uh, my dad kind of came up with the cyber part of it, and I thought of the Shaolin part of it. To mm-hmm. So we both tied it into each other, and we came up with Cyber Shaolin. Right. Originally, we thought of calling it like Tech Paduan, uh, and then we originally started off in that uh, in that direction, and then people told us that we may get sued by George Lucas and the Star Wars group. Right? Oh, so- like that guy! <laughs> that like that guy needs the money. Come on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we were thinking hey, that'd be pretty cool for publicity, though, <laughs> but. Uh, but it was mostly like tech part ones as in teaching kids 
about technology and security. That was kind of the main intent and the idea. But then how Cyber Shaolin came about, I'll let Ruben talk about uh, when kids started to write to him and all that stuff. So, so Ruben, go ahead. Yeah. When kids started to write to me and ask me how they could learn to, uh, cyber security. So I wanted to share with them how I could, um, how they could learn. But I couldn't go, to, and these were all from all around the world. So I couldn't go to each different place and remotely talk to them. So me and my dad came up with Cyber Shaolin, which teaches kids about cybersecurity. Uh, it's the nonprofit organization. Uh, we made a first set of videos that we released, and um, some of the videos are like cross-site request forgery, denial of service, um, and different stuff like that. Oh yeah, I've seen the videos. I was watching them last night in preparation, and. I learned a lot from him. I, I mean, I think like this. It? Yeah, I loved it. In fact, uh, this this is one of my favorite ones. Uh, I'll play a clip just just so people get an idea of what these videos are like. Um, they're animations and they're very they're very short, very simple, but they break down things that like terms that people who are you know quasi aware of the the information security industry like they've heard these terms but they or at least me i you know i've been around a lot of infosec types and i've i've interviewed a lot of people and and you know i i see all these terms thrown around and sometimes i'm like what does that even mean and i learned what hashing was last night by looking at your video and and here it is it's here here's 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 uh the audio from uh the cyber shaolin video on hashing in this video, you will learn about hashing. In the world of computers, hashing is a security concept that helps you find out if something has been changed or not. Can you spot the file that has been changed in this picture? I can. It's right there. It's the one that's kind of, like, disheveled. I got the it! The way this works is as follows. When you pass an input into an algorithm, the algorithm transforms that input into a fixed size output of numbers and letters called a hash. It is similar to encryption except that you can never get the original value back from a hash. It is irreversible. Hashing is like making a strawberry smoothie. To make a strawberry smoothie, you need strawberries. Oh my god, the I love strawberry smoothies. The strawberries are put into a blender. And out comes the smoothie. So how does hashing relate to smoothies? The strawberries are the input, the blender is the algorithm, and the smoothie is the hash. You can never get the original strawberries from a smoothie. In this video, you learned about hashing. And for more videos like this, check out cybershowing.org. We aim to educate, equip, and empower. That was that was awesome. That was like um, for the, for those of you listening, you should definitely go online and check out Cyber Shaolin. And they also have, you all, you also have the YouTube channel where people can see the videos as well. Yeah. It's uh, Cyber Shaolin on YouTube. It's free. It's they're they're short videos. They're very simple, um, very straightforward, and they cover basic terminology that you see thrown around in in the the information security cybersecurity industry all the time honestly not only do i think kids should be watching this but i think everyday adults who ha who should watch this in fact 
I think people, I, journalists, journalists who write about information security and cyber crime and all this stuff, I think they should read these videos too so they know what the hell they're talking about because some of these journos <laughs> are absolutely clueless. Like I think I think the common everyday person can get just as much out of, out of this as kids. It's funny you say that because after uh, the first set of these videos were launched and Ruben works very hard over, over or he worked very hard over summer, uh, we want to keep it where he records it, so the the thought process, I can help him with the concept and the ideas, but he pretty much uh, spent hours building those videos. Even though they're like one to three minute videos, they take a lot of time, and you know it being in the, the recording industry, how, how much time consuming it can be. Oh, absolutely. And what is interesting is after the first set of videos were launched, somebody else came with a very similar thing saying, you guys are doing this as a non-profit, which is, which is awesome, you know, making education free for anyone who uh, you know who can who can get to consume it uh, but you probably should actually bundle this into a package and then sell it to information security executives as well <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> i watch a, i watch a lot of uh, business news and i watch you know the cnbc and bloomberg and stuff and right. they've started reporting more on um, information security it's now a sector yeah that they report on. And there's even a, uh, an ETF, an exchange traded fund that okay. is called hack. You can, go, wow. you can go on Twitter and put, instead of putting a hashtag, put a, a dollar sign and put and okay. and capital letters hack. And okay. that is a, uh, an indexed fund of all the publicly traded, uh, cybersecurity firms. I think some of these traders who go on to TV and talk about, oh, this is the new, this is what's happening in the cybersecurity industry, blah, blah, blah. Their idea of, of technology and stuff is just, who's, who's going to be the CEO of Twitter? That's as deep as they get. Maybe if they're reporting about a FireEye or a Palo Alto Networks or Barracuda, they could know a little bit more about what these, these companies actually do. And just okay. simple videos like this can explain that to them and, and they can be right. more informed about their investments and their advice that they're throwing out there about companies that do things that they don't even know what, what they're doing. I, th I think the, the world is maturing in this space and hopefully, you know, Ruben's videos and CyberShalin will be helpful as an aid or a tool to, to help others get better and secure as well. And, and if, if I can take a moment to explain or how CyberShalin came about, this past Christmas, actually, Ruben started talking in the information security circuit uh, in 2014. In September, he started his first debut talk with a DerbyCon, a very elite security. Oh, program. yeah, I'm, fam I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah with, uh, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's Dave Kennedy's conference, Dave correct? Kennedy's, yes. Yeah. Right. So that's where he had his first launch when the team decided to take a chance on an eight-year-old kid. For that, we'll always be grateful how him and like, Dave Kennedy and others Ed Scouders, you know, Atlas, Egypt, and so many others basically embraced and helped in, in uh, helping Ruben be mentored into, uh, into, in, into this field of information security. So we are always very grateful for that. So, so from there, he then got invited to speak in so many other conferences. And what ended up happening was like, kids literally, like from India to Africa to, to the U.S., uh, kids and others, including parents, started saying, hey, we want to either make my child like yours uh, when they wrote to me or they said directly wrote to Ruben. One girl actually, I think, gave the highest compliment to Ruben where she sent a note to him saying, Treat, think of me as your sister, but please teach me the cybersecurity stuff. And she was from Africa. Uh, you know, so, so we were like, 
you know, how do we help the staff? And we were just wondering as to what we can do. But the real thing behind Cyber Shaolin came from Ruben himself. I was driving him once to a swim class, and I asked him, uh, you know, we were talking about stuff, and uh, he basically asked me, it was just before Christmas, and he said, Dada, have you got me anything for Christmas? And uh, I said, uh, you know, I'm the last-minute shopper. I, I don't buy things in advance. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of run to the store in the very end. So I was kind of procrastinating on that, and so I didn't have anything. So I told him honestly, Ruben, I haven't got anything. Is there something you would like? And uh, Mama and Dada can get that for you. And his response to that question was, uh, Dada, I don't want you to buy anything for Christmas for me. And this is an eight-year-old kid, right? So I thought he was like doing this whole reverse psychology. <laughs> so I said, I'll get you what you want. And he said, no, Dada, I have everything I need. Uh, you know, and he kind of talked about how he was blessed to be in the family and all. And so I asked him, so Ruben, I mean, I was almost like, in, almost moved to tears at that point. And so I asked him, uh, Ruben, what do you want to do with life, right? And he said, I want to share the knowledge I have and I want to help others. And we didn't really know at that time how we were going to reach these, these kids and others who were asking him to help and how to make his vision a, a reality. So I, with my limited knowledge, I basically said, maybe we can publish some videos out there for, for kids to consume. And Ruben liked the idea. So he said, yeah, that's a good way to do it. And then my wife's immediate reaction was, uh, you know, you know, it, it, all this is going to probably cost us money to get uh, the animation software and all that stuff, you know. And so do you want to, like, charge for the videos was the question that she posed to Ruben. And the next statement Ruben made just blew our minds where he said, I believe education should be free and accessible to all. So that's when we decided no matter what the cost is to make that vision a reality, my wife and I will work whatever it takes to, you know, to do to make that vision a reality so somebody else would benefit as well and some other kid who can't afford or so would also have that. And then from that, as part of this, when we, when we, when we shared this with a few people, they said, hey, you should probably do it as a nonprofit organization. Uh, you know, and then the whole cyber Shaolin concept was, I was talking about security videos, and Ruben said, maybe we should make this for interesting for kids, which is like gamify it, uh, you know, and, and like do badges and things like that. So that's where the, the belt system comes. So kids will take, they watch the videos, they can take some quizzes and tests if they're registered in the system, which is free as well. And then they'll get these badges, which will make them, give, get them a cyber white belt and cyber blue belt all the way up to, kind of like a cyber black belt in due course of time once they have all the videos and all that published. So, so we need a lot of help still, but we, you know, we, we have the mind map and we're working one video at a time. And, and Ruben, do you have anything to add to that? And so I really wanted to help kids learn about cybersecurity. And as I'm doing all these videos, I'm learning something new because my dad mm -hmm. teaches me the concepts and then I simplify it and right. like hashing with a strawberry smoothie. Um, we kind of thought about that and um, we decided that that was... Has good for hacking. Yeah, I've had like InfoSec instructors and trainers from uh, many, you know, many companies and, and conferences actually called and tell me that they've used the hashing example after they saw it online uh, to simplify and explain that to, to their students. So. It's certainly helped me understand stuff. And I, you know, I spent, I don't know, maybe an hour or so on the site last night and I learned. Right. I learned a lot of stuff. It, it was cool. I had a broad idea of what a SQL injection was, but you know, and now I have a better idea because of the simplified video. I mean, there's you've got videos on key logging, injection attacks, fuzzing, exploit frameworks, 
Um, a lot of real just basic terms that I think anybody who's interested in, in this or is certainly reporting on this or working on this stuff or uh, interested in these are, are core concepts that people need to, to know about because, you know, it's not like cyber or information security is a class you take in high school. Yeah. So these videos are introductory in content and I plan to be making a little bit more technically advanced videos with demonstrations as I get breaks from my fourth grade homework. <laughs> and um, and I liked what you said about the uh, high schools. Uh, high schools should be making information security classes mainstream and part of the core curriculum. Speaking of school, I'm curious, Ruben, um, what are your peers, your friends, other kids your age that you're in school with and whatnot, how do they feel about your these passions you have, uh, it, you know, it's, especially inf- information security what, like what do they what do they feel about all this what do your friends think in school my friends are supportive of me and um always give me compliments whenever um whenever i talk to them but it's not really mainstream that i talk about all my conferences in school do your teachers your 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 school teachers have to know that you do this stuff right yes do they ever look at you sideways when they have a problem with their computer or something yeah. So my teacher's computer stopped working, so they told, they asked me to hack it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his teachers uh, and all have been very supportive as well, and so it's it's a very good community is what we found. Uh, At your school, did they have like an like an IT person? Uh, no, not really. So you're kind, have, so are you kind of the de facto IT person at school? <laughs> no. Oh crap! This computers are down. Let's 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 pull Ruben out of class. <laughs> Ruben, I was watching one of your uh, talks online. What you said, I think at the beginning of the talk, maybe it was, is that when you grow up, you want to be a cyber spy. I want to know, first of all, are, is that still your goal? And how do I know you aren't already one? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is my goal. And I want to clarify that I want to do it for the good, the um the good cyber spies, not the bad ones. <laughs> but yes, I do want to be a cyber spy, and that is my goal for now. You could be, I mean, with your kung fu, dude. You could be more than just a cyber spy. Like you could be a, a badass, like, like just spy. Period. <laughs> oh, another thing that you that you mentioned in one of your talks, Ruben is that you think kids make great hackers. Uh, Why do you believe that? So uh, I said that kids make good hackers because they are curious, just like a hacker. They're creative, just like hackers. And um, they want to be cool, kind of like hackers. (laughs) They have a little bit of an ego. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me about Prudent Games. So in school... There's a program called GT that is known as Gifted and Talented. So we had a project in that program, and what we had to do is we had to make an educational game. Most people went like, with math on a pulley, like Monopoly, except using math. So what I did, I came home and said, hey, Dada, I want to build an iPhone game. He was like, uh, I don't know how to build an iPhone game. Why are you asking me? So, um... That night, he um, researched on 
how to build an iPhone game. Together, we made our first app and presented it to the school called Shuriken Math. Shuriken Math teaches kids about um, math using ninjas. Uh, basically, what happens in that game is there's monsters coming at you with different numbers, and on the top, there is a question, like, what is 2 plus 5? And you would have to throw a, you would have to tap the monster, and the ninja would throw a shuriken, or a ninja star, at the monster. And if you threw it at the right answer, then you would get a point. So that is how Prudent Games came about. And the school actually said, uh, we would like to do business with you if you um, made some more games like this. So we are going to make some more educational games. But after I got into cybersecurity, I thought, hey, maybe I could tie cybersecurity into my games. So I made a few more games. Uh, one of them is called Cracker Proof, which teaches kids about strong passwords. And the other one is Crack Me If You Can. I haven't released that in the App Store, but Cracker Proof is in the App Store. Um, and uh, Crack Me If You Can is teaches kids about brute force attacks and um, prudent means wise. So the game, the name of the company was Wise Games. So that's how Prudent Games came about. Uh, are you gonna do? Are you gonna make them for Android at any point? Yes, we are planning to actually make Android. I haven't fully learned how to make it yet. Um, we have learned about iOS, and but we are planning to make it for Android. Isn't that see? That's another thing that I think is so cool about hacking, or not even hacking, just 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 programming, developing things in general is. Um, it's more about, I have an idea. How do I implement it? Oh, okay. I want to put it, make an iPhone app. Well, how do I do that? And then you, and then you figure it out. And that that's, I mean, you probably learned a lot in the process of just making the app. Yeah. yeah. So actually I, I have to clarify. So in terms of what Ruben has been gifted and, you know, this is God's honest truth is that he's able to grasp technologies very quickly and then simplify it as, any child or like, I think he processes that way so he can understand it first. And then he's able to also communicate that, right? With regard to the coding part of it, uh, we started off learning in Objective-C, which was a lot more uh, cryptic than the current version, which is Swift. And so I'm learning as well. Like every time we have to think of writing a game or, you know, we have to be learned together. But every line of code wins. Ruben writes for the final release of the game, which means I'll help him, I'll prototype, we'll work together, we'll seek help from other programmers, we check out Stack Overflow, you know, we check out uh, the iOS, for the iOS apps, the Apple developer documentation. Um, I have to learn, I've learned a lot in terms of patience <laughs> and uh, as, as a dad, but also uh, he's taught me sometimes many things that he learns as he goes through and watches either videos about programming and things like that. But every line of code, Ruben writes for the final product, which means he understands it and then he writes it. Now, can he write a full app by himself? Now, maybe that's a, that's a challenge. Uh, but he's learning each day, right? And, but we all learn. Now, none of us can kind of just go and write it. We're all like super coders or something. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, you know, I'm here in Silicon Valley, so I have friends, a lot of friends who are programmers, developers, researchers. And, you know, they're not, they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And if they're developing right. something, they don't do it all on their own. They, they lean on exactly. their friends and their colleagues. And, um, you know, so, some of these projects that, that these researchers are doing are, are extremely complex. And, and they, they, 
they need the help from uh, from the community and their their friends and that's another thing that i kind of um, am really attracted to that really attracts me to the the information security hacker community is people are so willing to help lend their talents to other people's projects because everybody seems to sort of have a little niche, you know, some of those, those uh, interests and talents overlap. The guys that did the, the electronic skateboard hack. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That started off with one dude finding out that, Hey, you know, I lose connection with my Bluetooth remote with, with my, uh, with my skateboard what's up with this so he calls his friend who's a you know really into bluetooth research says hey dude i found this little glitch help me out and uh that same guy you know he helped out sammy cam car with some of his research in this community there's that sense of pay it forward you you know you're going to have a a a point where you're going to have a stumbling block or you're going to need some help Somebody's going to have to, is going to help you. So when somebody right. comes looking for help from you, you're, you're there. Right. And yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing is in terms of like talking about Sammy, he's a friend of ours as well. And he took the time when he came to Austin to come with me and go meet Ruben in his school, which itself speaks volumes, right? In terms of somebody who is at that high profile, willing to take the time to encourage and embrace kids in this, this community. So that's, that's been, you know, those, those are the things that I think keep, keep us going as well, that the support that we get from the community, uh, you know, uh, Dave Kennedy, Jason Street, uh, from Egypt, from Metasploit, and so many, so many others who are, you know, like at, at DerbyCon, Ruben and Egypt were playing chess. And from Egypt, I learned how patient I ought to be. And he was explaining and teaching Ruben a game of chess and just, just being there, which is just fantastic, I think. Uh, unfortunately, on the other side, there are some, you know, sometimes we get like these trolling comments and things like that, and they they're very negative, but even those, Ruben and I have taken it as learning experiences, and uh, you know we've learned more about cyberbullying from some free people. But that is good stuff because we're we we passed that. And Ruben, sometimes I try to shield him from all that stuff, but he gets impacted uh, at times because he's pretty active on Twitter as well. But uh, we we kind of go back to faith and to family and and friends like uh, like you and others who encourage and mentor and help. That that's what this community is about. It's not about the negativity as much as it is about the positivity. And the positivity always outweighs the negativity. So yeah, I agree. And believe me, you don't have to tell me about trolling. I <laughs> I've been through the ringer. I had an internet radio show for like four years. Right. And uh, I made the mistake. There's, you know, they have these official rules of the internet, right? And right. rule rule number fourteen is don't feed the trolls because if you do, because right. if you do, they win. And I made the mistake of not reading that rule, and I fed them for like years. Okay, that was a rule that I was uh, that I came to know from Chris Nickerson, uh, you know, who's a pretty well known uh, infosec rock star, and he actually took the time to come to Ruben's DerbyCon talk and encouraged him. So, like you said, and and you're absolutely right. We can't feed the trolls. <laughs> Most kid hackers uh, that get publicity seem to be the bad ones, the ones that are misbehaving. That's where the ego kind part comes in, and this is not only bad kids that do this, but kids don't like to be cool. They uh, and some kids think that hacking is cool, but they shouldn't do it for the wrong reasons and um, build off of that. It's going to break something. You should figure out how to build it better, too, at the same time. 
Yeah, I think we need uh, just in general to uh, put more of a spotlight on kids such as Ruben, who are as engrossed in this um, this industry and this community and, 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 and hacking and all this stuff as anybody else, but he's doing it in a positive way. He's doing it out in the open. He's doing it for, uh, you know, out of curiosity, out of educational purposes. And I, I really think the media should focus more on those types of stories or at least give 50-50 coverage because, right. you know, hacking has become sort of this nefarious term. I think that's not really fair. And it's also become a very broadly applied term. I, you know, I, I use it a lot, but I, I try to be selective about when I use it because, you know, people can interpret that into anything um, right. nowadays. People just associate hacking with crime automatically. Uh, it needs to be destigmatized de in a way, at least from what I can tell. The, the industry's response is, oh, I'm not a hacker. I'm a security researcher. Right. And that sounds that sounds that doesn't sound so so nefarious. You know, right. you're researching and that and that's what hackers really are doing. They're right. they're they're looking into a target and trying to find a vulnerability. They're researching. Right, right. And, and so it's actually interesting you bring that up because one of the things is that even with kind of the legal system or the legal environment that we're getting into, they're, they're going to try to make even security research a criminal activity. Oh, yeah. For kids like Ruben and others, it's going to be a challenge. And, and like you said, the whole the connotation of negativity and cybercrime to hacking is, I, I think, for, for, for a major part, is how the me media is portrayed it, right? And so if they, like you mentioned, if, if they can refocus and say there is good that can come out of it and, you know, kids uh, like Ruben and others encourage them to be able to help that industry become better, uh, it's a win-win for all is what, we, what I personally feel. I mean, after a period of time, we'd be gone and then this next generation of security is our children. And uh, they, we don't create the environment of the world for them to be safe and secure then we are kind of doing a disservice, I believe, personally, to the next generation that's upcoming. And as you mentioned, with regard to the the environment, we should be encouraging. So for Ruben, that the way he learns, we end up actually having to create everything uh, in a virtual environment. It's our own test labs that we build so that he can learn. And so it's not like without any authorization, we don't do anything law unlawful. And still, you can do security research. The last demo that Ruben did uh, for LastCon, he um, actually, I helped him to learn about, he was learning about SQL injection and he did a demo on SQL injection using SQL map and other things. And I had to build that lab for him. But once I built the lab, I didn't want to just give him the, the target VM. So what I made him do was I told him, you are now going to build that database. You're going to build this web application. So he wrote his first PHP page with uh, his first uh, MySQL database in the back end to to do his demo, and so Ruben, if you want to talk about that experience, <laughs> no. yeah, so it was pretty fun because um, we uploaded it with uh, Star Wars character quotes because our talk was Hack Wars and New Hope. And this this fun. is the uh, the the Lone Star AppSec conference in Austin that, that you correct. just you just spoke at. That is correct. Okay. So it was pretty fun because we learned about PHP and um, adding variables and getting the ID from the. Um, query string and 
building the application uh, dynamically so that we could figure out how to hack into it. And um, so it was really fun learning about all these things in PHP. So, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, let's turn to Hackformers now. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about what Hackformers is. So Hackformers is a nonprofit organization. It is, uh, its mission is Teach Security, Teach Christ, and Teach Security in Christ, which essentially is a blend of how or an intersect of information security with Christian faith. I am a missionary kid from India. I was born in a missionary family. And when I came to the U.S., we were looking at security. When I got into security, um, one of the things I wanted to do is to give back to the community from a, from a faith standpoint. My priorities in life is faith, family, finance, which is work, and then fun. And, and so from a, and from, a, from a faith standpoint, what am I doing? So, you know, it's not about what I leave behind as an inheritance, but as a legacy, what do we leave behind? Uh, and so what happened is in 2009 timeframe, I was attending a conference in Washington, D.C., and it was like a black coat government-level uh, conference in which I, for the first time, saw Johnny Long, who had heard, that I had heard about quite a bit, uh, who is now, you know, runs I Hack Charities in Uganda. He left pretty much everything, and he went down to, uh, to serve uh, for his faith in Uganda. And uh, essentially what happened as part of that was when, I, when he came and he introduced himself, he gave a very weird introduction, but it was a very cool introduction, I felt, where he said, I'm a, I'm a Christian, and some of you may think it is lame, others may think it's lead, but it really didn't matter because he was a Christian, and he kind of, that's how he started off his introduction. And so after that talk, I went over to him, and I kind of, uh, I don't know if he even remembers this, but I told him, hey, you seems like you're a Jesus freak, and he's like, yeah, absolutely, and I said, uh, I guess I'm one too, so we joined the club, kind of something to that effect. Uh, but again, I want to make it clear that people have said that, oh, this is actually, some, everybody wants to be Johnny Long. And no, that is not the case. This is not about Johnny Long because he's another man just like myself. I respect the, the Johnny as a dear brother, and uh, he and I have had conversations about what needs to be done to, uh, in terms of living the life that we have been called to from a Christian faith standpoint. So, so that was in 2009. But, in, but it took me almost two years. Uh, you know, it took me two years to come out of my shell. I was trying to do everything security and build a name for myself to 2011 when at the Secure SDLC event in Austin, I was asked to keynote that event and I opened up and I gave my introduction very similar to that of what I heard, what I had heard two years ago. And I said, uh, I am a Christian and I'm first a Christ follower and then I'm a CEO or whatever else of the company. That encouraged many people in the crowd. Uh, there were folks that had come in. Austin Holt was a good friend and dear brother. I was his, uh, I was there as his uh, best man in his wedding. Austin Holt, he came up to me and he said, that was pretty gutsy, Mano, and, but you have encouraged me to be gutsy as well. And he actually reminded me of the consequences of not uh, being a witness for Christ. As uh, If we don't recognize Christ as you know, in front of others, in front of men, then when he comes to reign as king and lord, uh, then you... Or he probably will also not recognize because he will deny us just as Scripture says, and we believe the infallibility of the Scriptures, uh, the Bible. So, so that's where you know that was one. And then I saw Michael Howard, who's writing Secure Codes, uh, you know, author and principal cybersecurity architect and program manager, and pretty much you know the, the guy at Microsoft to help with Secure SDLC stuff. He was there in the crowd, and he actually encouraged me as well. And he said, "Mano." Um, you know, similar to that, is that it was pretty gutsy. But then he started to talk to me cryptically about security, uh, you know, like alternate data forking. And he talked about that as he, how he had put that in his book, 
uh, and one would say John 3 and the other would say 16, uh, read me now. And by alternate data forking, which is a security concept, you could actually come to the phrase, John 3.16, read me love, which is for God loved the world so much that he gave his son, right? And whoever believes in him shall not perish. Now, that to me was like, wow, that is so cool. Like, where it's using security to tie into the gospel as well. And then many others, like James Wicket and Bill Baer and uh, Brian Engel, these are all like leaders who are the presidents of ISSA uh, in the local chapters or with OWASP and other, other areas. They came down to me and we all talked and pretty much I kind of saw a commonality in terms of all of them uh, being Christians. And like me, many of us, we were all like kind of closet Christians. And so we said we should do something about this. And, and so after that, that was kind of the, you know, the, the thing that uh, got it rolling. We said we have to do what, what can we do? So uh, in Austin, there's like so many security organizations and very active community. We have OWASP, ISSA, uh, uh, the Austin Hacker Anonymous, which is AHA. Uh, and so many other organizations. And we said, if it's just another organization, uh, like another thing that we're doing from a from a security standpoint. So I sent an email out and I drafted it. And I kid you not, my email said, uh, my, the, the subject line said, God and hackers, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and so we said, we need to get together. And interestingly, uh, everybody like these gentlemen that I mentioned earlier, they all kind of connected back with me and said, let's get together to see what we need to do to plan this thing out. And we met in a garden. It was not the Garden of Eden. It was the Olive Garden <laughs> for our very first meeting. And uh, I still, uh, you know, I still have that first picture from that meeting when we got together and we talked about what we need to do. And we said, maybe we have to, and we came up with the mission of this should be teach security, teach Christ, teach security in Christ. So the, the way it works is every month, uh, you know, by God's grace, we've been able to have speakers come and speak on different security topics and then they draw a parallel to the Bible, and then there is an application time of, you know, an application time when we reflect on the topic itself. So I'll give you an example. Each month we meet uh, at the Microsoft building here in Austin. Uh, Michael Howard actually is one of our sponsors, for which we're very grateful that he is allowing us to be able to have that facility to meet. And we speak, uh, and, and the speaker will come and talk about a particular security topic. And like, uh, Michael himself, he talked about how it could take just one line of code to make your entire code base vulnerable to a security attack and, you know, how we need to replace that with a safer alternative or an API call. And then he kind of tied that to the scripture in the Bible, which says not one man is righteous. Everyone has sinned and fallen, fallen short of God's glory. So from that standpoint, one sin is all that it takes to make your life, uh, your soul vulnerable to damnation. And so what we need to do is to replace that with a safer alternative, and the alternative is Christ Jesus, and kind of presented the gospel from that angle, right? So the security lingo. Then we had Ed Scouders, who spoke excellent in terms of passing the hash and how you could use somebody else's hash to, you know, a hacker could get your hash and then pass that around and get access to a system that they were not, uh, uh, you know, not originally authorized to. And the same way, then he tied that to how the cross really is the hash, and Christ on the cross is the hash, where if you have Christ and you are in Christ, then you can access the the thrones of heaven, uh, because God looks at the hash and says, hey, this is a valid hash, because it is the hash of his own son. Um, so that's kind of what hack form is. It's kind of weird, you would think, but... <laughs> You know, we are passionate about security, we're passionate about Christianity, and 
And then uh, we can talk more also about like the hack woman name itself. So yeah, uh, you know, f- well, when I first came across you and, <laughs> and hack formers, I was like, Christian hackers. That's <laughs> what are you guys doing? Hacking for Christ? What the hell does that mean? Um, I was totally mesmerized and 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 curious. So I, I, I that's that that's what sparked my interest in uh, in finding out more about you and and then eventually finding about out, out about Ruben. So right. yeah, I, it, I think I think it tweeted that out or something like that. Christian hackers, how can this be or something to that effect? And and you know you mentioned something about when you uh, were were presenting at the conference and you interested introduced yourself as a christian and 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 uh folks came up to you afterwards and said hey that was really gutsy just that alone kind of bothers me in in this country we're we're supposed to be you know we're we're, it's freedom of religion you're free to practice your faith it's it's a shame that that you you expressing what your religious proclivity is is a gutsy move like that that just blows my mind like this is supposed to be such a tolerant uh, nation of 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 individuals and and it just it it just boggles my mind that that is considered a gutsy move and some of these people had to come to you uh you know you know pull you aside to be able to to, to say this you know like almost under their breath but uh but but it looks like you got you know once you put it out there the people responded and that's great and i think that's another stigmatism that needs to be addressed and it's not you're not a bad person for being a, a christian and a hacker it's it's possible to for for that to exist just like it's possible for an atheist to be a hacker and that shouldn't be Absolutely. that shouldn't be an issue um but i think it's fascinating how you you were a, you're able to intertwine infosec christianity and transformers that's right. awesome <laughs> Um, tell me about how that whole thing, just the genesis of that. You know, it, it's unfortunate, though, to be honest, that the stigmatism as well as with regard to the unacceptance or toler- tolerance level is, in, in many cases, actually just biased. It's not to all faiths. It's to, to the Christian faith. You find that quite extensively. Uh, but then also we understand from the from the scripture that it is... Uh, that's the protocol. I mean, you have to expect persecution, and you count it as pure joy when you come to that point of uh, persecution. In fact, if we don't do, and if you're not being hated, when I started when originally with the team, you know, all volunteers putting our time and effort into it, it came down to where we were questioned of our personal lives, our personal faith, our personal motives, and they basically, some said that this is all fa- false, and you know, trying to name, make a name for ourselves, and that's not the case. I, I tell my team always that uh, we are here for the name of Christ, not our own names. Uh, we'll be dead and gone in a couple of years if Christ doesn't return by then, which is what I believe. And 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 I would want to face him as well as my good and faithful servant. But talking about the acceptance of the non-acceptance, we came. I, I I used to get a lot of hate mail. I was told that I was divisive of the community. Um, you know what I was doing was. Uh, Essentially, you know, essentially not something that should be in this infosec space itself. And these are some pretty big names and very well known in our industry uh, that wrote to me and said that that was the case. Our response was always to go back and respond with love because that's that love trumps all is what I yeah. believe in, right? I can be hating back, but then I, uh, what kind of a model will that be where my Christ himself 
gave his life for me and loved me while I was a sinner. That, that's my faith. And so if I can't emulate that my faith, then, then I've lost the battle already. So we responded with love. And the biggest compliment that we get now is that it's not, it's, not, it's not even about the name Hackformers. And we'll talk about how we came about across the name Hackformers. But it's more about who we are as individuals. And you said, like you mentioned, Christians can be hackers. It's not a mutually exclusive thing. And hackers for the right reasons, you white hats with the right reasons. In fact, I think you make very good hackers because you have, besides the infosec and the curiosity, the security research part of it, you have a faith element that binds you, right? And and so, so I think that that was the the, the part that I, I really uh, have learned in this whole four years of uh, since 2011. So, so I've been very, very blessed also surrounded by good people and good uh, community leaders and others who helped. But the name itself, so I said, like I said, I, the, the email was God and Hackers. And you, having an comp- organization like God and Hackers is a weird name, I think. So, so I was, and I love Transformers. And I kind of came across that, uh, you know, I kind of came across that Transformers uh, movie when uh, at the very end, Optimus Prime makes kind of a statement of calling all the Autobots that are out there. This is Transformers movie one, right? Optimus Prime you know, kind of talks about with the all spark gone, you know, and then he says, I send this message to any surviving Autobots taking refuge among the stars. We are here, we're waiting. So that's where the, ha- the Transformer element came in. But realistically, the biblical basis of the word Transformer comes from Acts chapter 17, verse 6 and 7. And what Paul and Silas, the disciples, were accused of was that they were transforming the world upside down. And in that account, so the word transformer was picked from the biblical text, uh, not the movie necessarily. We used the movie as kind of a, you know a lead into to connect up, uh, but it was from the biblical text where transformers. And then the hacker part of it is the hackers, right? So the white hats and the ones who are doing it for the good reasons. So so hackformers uh, had its name being birthed from from those two elements, uh, mainly, but 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 with a biblical basis. What sort of events and and things do you right. do, do you put on with with so, Hackformers? Yeah. So what we do is annually we have every. So we started in um, 2012 when in February when we had the first uh, talk. So what we do is every month we have a monthly meeting that is held here in Austin. Uh, some other cities have actually expressed interest in starting their own chapters. So if anyone's hearing this and you're interested and you're led by the Lord pray about it, and then uh, connect back with us in terms of uh, what you can do to spin off your own chapters. We can do whatever we can to help. It's non-profit. It's not about the name again, as I said. And so God has been faithful in bringing us speakers, which is our biggest need. Uh, we need people who are born again, who have been the faith, to come and share and talk in our talks, who also have an intersect with, with security, which is hard sometimes to find. And so in the meetings, uh, it's a 20-minute of security topic, 20-minute of uh, you know scripture exposition, and then 20 minutes of reflection, and that's kind of the format we've had. Um, then we also do, in March, actually, in the beginning of the year, when, like, B-Sides Austin happens, we kind of collaborate and co-work with them and then have a meeting in there uh, along with B-Sides, which is pretty well-known and a good, great uh, community of hackers. Then during Christmas time, we don't have a meeting because of uh, family and vacation and all that. But instead, we have like a get-together, and it's kind of open and inclusive of all. The, the I kind of we make it very clear that we are open to all. Uh, we're not restrictive in who can attend and who cannot attend. There's nothing like that. But we, do, we don't compromise in our faith, but that doesn't mean we are not inclusive. 
Uh, I also want to make that clear that we are not like competing organization with churches or anything. We believe that you need to support your churches and your place of worship. Uh, we're not also a security organization. We're a Christian organization with security kind of tied to it. Uh, you know, it goes down to like how Paul, the apostle, was a tent maker. His, his role or his job or his profession was to make tents, and that's how he made his living. But then he also recognized that making the tent of God in the people's hearts and in the people's life was his higher calling. And that's how we believed as well that use whatever skills that you have been given, you know, to be the witness that you've been called to. And in our case, it's security and hacking. And, and so we use that towards uh, the belief that we have in terms of uh, salvation in Christ. You know, when I first heard about Christian hackers and, and your organization, and I was like, why, why should you even identify as a, as a Christian hacker? And it seems to me like a big theme in the security industry is ethics. And like, are you an ethical hacker? If you self-identify as a Christian hacker, I'm pretty confident that you're going to be an ethical hacker. So to me, that makes makes it relevant. Right, right. And I mean, I mean you can always have bad seeds and things, right? But in terms of ethics and Christianity, if you are a follower of Christ, you are less likely to do something that would either hurt someone else or hurt yourself or, you know, it's just it's, if, you, if, if, you're, if you're living according to the Spirit. Because love is the one, and if you have love, there is no law against love. So I think it kind of comes down to where the greatest commandment that Christ has given to, to man is uh, love God above everything else and love man like yourself, like love your neighbor as yourself, and it kind of sums up every other law of the prophets is what it says. So if I can be good at doing those two things, I think I've lived a life that is well worth, and if Reuben or anybody else, my family, and or anybody else in this community can do that, love God, love man. In fact, Reuben's now latest Twitter kind of follow-through is love God, love man, hack all, right? Hashtag. So, that's awesome. Uh, I'm going to follow that hashtag. Kind of, and what, what's interesting is, uh, in fact, if you go to Ruben's profile, uh, he says uh, in, his, in his Twitter profile, he says, loves Jesus. And, and what people don't know is a gentleman named Eddie Mice. Um, he's, uh, he's also known for uh, drawing the faces of DefCon and the faces of DerbyCon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, paint, the painting that he does. Excellent yeah. artist. Yeah, if, and, if, and, if you've been, if, if your Avi has one of, is in that uh, brown, uh, right. whatever style, oh, oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's number one tip off that you're a lead hacksaw. <laughs> and Eddie gave us that honor. I mean, it was not something that we asked, or something Eddie actually, and I told Eddie, you know, Eddie, Eddie, you do realize that you may have to repaint Ruben as he grows up, right? But the way, when Eddie painted that, if you go back to Deviant Art and you look up Ruben's profile that Eddie painted, the picture that Eddie painted, what you would notice is Eddie was the one who first said it. He said, here is a kid who can act like the best of us and loves Jesus. And so in the Twitter profile where it says loves Jesus, that's a tribute to Eddie that we gave to say that this is something that he made us recognize that this is our identity. So. And speaking of your Twitter handles, um, right. Ruben, would you like to uh, let us know uh, how we can find you on Twitter? Yes. Um, my Twitter handle is at Rapstar. It's uh, at Capital R A P S lowercase S T and then four R. Oh, and um, you can reach Cybershallon by at Cybershallon. Okay, so that's rap star and stars with a four instead of an A and Cybershallon, all one word. And Manu, how do how do we find yeah. you and Hackformers on Twitter? 
Yeah, on Twitter, you would find me as at Manopaul, at M-A-N-O-P-A-U-L. It's all one word. And then for Hackformers, you would find us at at Hackformers, uh, which is uh, the at sign H-A-C-K-F-O-R-M-E-R-S. Yeah, so those are the two ways that you could actually find us. You folks are based in Austin, and right. I've noticed a lot of security professionals who are based out of Austin, and it seems to me like that's that's kind of like a new hotbed for for just technology in general. It's it seems from I've never been there, but it seems like okay. kind of like it's turning into Silicon Valley of of Texas. Is that is that a fair assessment? Absolutely, it's an urban, uh, high profile, high tech town or city with uh, university life as well as like life for time for family and activities at the live music capital of the world. But as you mentioned, I think it's, it's interesting you say this because when I was working at Dell Computers from 2001 to 2007, one of the things that uh, I was in charge of uh, as part of the security team was also to bring in talent. At that time, I actually remember reading predictions that the new Silicon Valley of the United States would be in the Austin area. And I think you're not far from the truth when you say it seems like that is the case. We have very high-profile companies here, IT companies, uh, Intel, Dell, Microsoft, uh, you know, Google, PayPal. And uh, there are also supporting companies or smaller companies. So that's on the IT side of things. It's a very hotbed of technology. And then what I found out, and I personally believe that Austin probably has the highest per capita density of security researchers, uh, both black hat and white hat. Uh, you know, we have uh, uh, very large players over here, uh, large security companies as well um, that, that operate out of Austin. Yeah. yeah Can but... we ask any questions? Yeah, sure. Uh, why do you call your um, uh, podcast Vince in the Bay? Well... <sighs> I guess the obvious answer is I my name is Vince and I live yeah. in the I live in the Bay Area. And, uh, and the Bay Area if, if people here in the Bay Area uh refer to the Bay Area at, in sort of a slang term as the Bay. And okay. I'm in the Bay. Yeah, it's like where are you from? I'm from the Bay. People do sometimes say, "Are you literally in the middle of the water?" Um you know podcasting or whatever i'm like yeah i'm broadcasting from my yacht uh right smack dab in the middle of san francisco bay yes i'm literally in the bay i i I came up with that name on the fly when i first uh started my first podcast and i just it just kind of stuck um so yeah so what can uh, the listeners do to help with your development of Cyber Shaolin? So if you would like to sponsor, um, please help with that. Help donate and volunteer if you can. Uh, remember, this is all nonprofit, so we're not gaining anything from this. We're just um, giving it out for free and wanting the world to learn and helping them. Yeah, I think, I think what, uh, what they can do is if, if we have resources, to be able to help support Ruben in making the videos, then he can focus on making the videos. Uh, and I, so the two of us are good at content generation, but not good at like, the legal aspects uh, to to fully run like a nonprofit. We we're not good at like fully, you know, marketing. Marketing is like our biggest weakness, I think. You know, uh, and then getting the word out. 
to people. Social, there are people who are very good and adept at like social media stuff and website design, and you know that's kind of the help that we're really looking for. Uh, you know, that that's where I think when you you can help with uh, getting the word out to people that uh, get on board, get involved, go to the website, see the mission and the vision. Um, you know, there are advisors that are out there that are helping us out. They are pretty high-profile folks, but they're all voluntarily as well doing it. So, so, but the biggest thing is now need for resources in terms of uh, uh, of these areas that we mentioned, and and then get involved in you know volunteering your time and also donating if you can to the to the mission. Okay, and once again, if if somebody listening wants to get in touch with you, they can go to the website cybershaolin.org. Yes. It, it is, uh, it's uh, www.cybershaolin.org. And cybershaolin is dot org. O-R-G. And then you can also follow on Twitter at, at cybershaolin. So. Yeah. Great. I hope that kids start um, using cybershaolin and learning about cybersecurity, and I hope that cybershaolin helps people and that, um, that we can, and that you can spread the word and, Oh, uh, good to there. Yeah. Uh, you know, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the time. And uh, we are uh, we're, we're very, very fortunate and blessed to be on your on your podcast. So uh-huh. so thank you so very much. Thank you both as well. I feel blessed to have you. And make sure you give a big thanks to your wife slash mother. San, is it is Sangeetha? Sangeetha. Yes. Sangeetha. Thank her for me for being uh, so accommodating and patient and letting you 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 guys spend this time for, with me uh, today. Absolutely. I mean, I, to be to be honest, if if it was not for her as my wife and as the mother to Ruben and Etai, all the stuff that we're doing today would not be possible. We wouldn't have done it at all. So, but next next to our faith, uh, it's a family, right? As I mentioned, and so Sangeeta's a huge part. She's like the fire behind you know behind the burner and. Cyber Shaolin or Hackformers or anything that we're doing, it's all in the back end. She's kind of one of the, the main person who's instrumental in doing it, and she never comes to the forefront. So I appreciate you taking the time to recognize that as well. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and and Ruben, I think you're... I, I, I don't even need to tell you this, but you, you're very lucky and blessed to have two so uh, supportive parents and parents that are very encouraging of, of uh, you exploring things, and so... Thank you, Vince. All right. Thank you both for joining me. And uh, I look forward to seeing more work from you. Um, do you. What do you have coming down the pipeline? Any, any hi. Sp- hey, so, so, Wins, hold on one minute. My little one is like, I want to say my name and say hi to Win. Okay. So, so. <laughs> Go for it. That's Wins. You can say hi, Wins. Hi. Hi. What's your name? Itai. Itai. How old are you, Itai? Three. Wow. What are you doing? Um, I play Happy Pot. <laughs> you play what? He's playing the Lego video game Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. Oh, cool. <laughs> you like video games? Yeah. <laughs> okay, he's running back to his game. Yeah, All right, cool. Where are you headed to next? India, where I'm speaking at the Ground Zero InfoSec Summit, and I'm speaking on Digital Kung Fu. Digital Kung Fu. Awesome. Is that going to be recorded? Do you know? Yes, that will be. Sweet. Um, I'd love it if you could share that recording with me when when it comes out. 
Um, yeah. And I'm definitely gonna gonna keep keep uh, tabs on both your you and and Manu, and I, I'm really excited to see more things to come from both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vince in the Bay podcast. Check out prior episodes and more at my blog, which is vinceinthebay.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and hit me up on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash vinceinthebay. And remember, until next time, I love you.